This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I've always enjoyed Howard Duff's portrayal of Sam Spade, and thought I'd do a wee bit of research for tonight's show. In the first bio, the description of him, I thought, was pretty good. So let me just lift it as it was presented. Tough, virile, wavy-haired, and ruggedly handsome, with trademark forlorn-looking eyebrows that added an intriguing touch of vulnerability to his hard outer core. Actor Howard Duff and his wife at the time, actress Ida Lupino, were one of Hollywood's premier film couples during the 1950s golden age. And prior to that, Duff had relationships with a number of the cinema's most dazzling leading ladies, including Ava Gardner and Gloria De Haven. Duff's talent first manifested itself on radio as Dashiell Hammett's popular private eye, Sam Spade, from 1946 to 1950, and eventually extended to include stage, film, and TV. Well, he was never considered a top-tier movie star, and despite his obvious prowess, never considered for any acting awards either. Howard Duff was an undeniably strong good guy and potent heavy, but perhaps lacked the requisite charisma or profile to move into the ranks of a Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas, or Robert Mitchum. His career spanned over four decades. He won the role of Sam Spade on NBC Radio in the role of Humphrey Bogart, uh, made famous in the Maltese Falcon in 1941. On the show, Loreen Tuttle played his altruistic secretary. He met uh, Ida Lupino in 1950 and married her in 1951, but the marriage did not last. However, the famous married couple separated in 1966 after 15 years of marriage. While much of Howard's work in later years was standard, if unmemorable, every now and then he would demonstrate the fine talent that he was. A couple of his better film portrayals came as a sex-minded, booze-swilling relative at A Wedding, 1978, and as Dustin Hoffman's attorney in the Oscar-winning drama Kramer vs. Kramer. I remember that one, 1979. Well, I hope you enjoy the uh, caper tonight. It's called, as a matter of fact, The Lawless Caper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Agency? Hey, it's me, hey, Sammy the Spade. Sam, Sam, it's not true, is it? Every word of it. What? That you've been consorting with unsavory characters? Well, uh, she was a savory enough girl, Effie, although a crook. Well, according to the paper, she's practically a murderess, not to mention that she's dancing the rumor with you. That's a lie. There's a picture of you. Virginia Vale, gangland glamour girl, caught at the Club I Barrier in barefoot Roomba with private eye. It was not a Roomba, it was a bambuco. 
Detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. I think I'm getting it now. You've been lost your shoes. Ready, sweetheart? Yes, Sam. Uh, no questions? No, Sam. That uh, picture in the paper doesn't mean a thing, Effie. There was nothing between Virginia and me. Just wasn't room. Well, uh, that bambuco, you know, that's the way we dance it. Authentic. Sam, I trouble to call my girlfriend, Edna Mae Schwartz, who is an instructor at Arthur Murray's. Mm -hmm. I quote, The partners exchange graceful nods in the center of the dance floor and then separate. Well, uh... As the senorita provocatively leads a pursuing caballero through a series of gay worlds, turns, and figures. There you see, provocative. But he never catches her, Sam. Well, I had my shoes off. That gave me the advantage. <sighs> you know best, Sam? Well, that clears that up. Uh, date? August 29th. I will give the date. Fill it in. That still doesn't explain you're operating on the wrong side of the law. Down, Effie. This goes to John M. Lawless. A known gangster. What else? From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Boom. Thank you, Effie. Subject, uh, Joe Morales. Uh, dear Johnny. You, uh, hired me yesterday morning, but the real start of it was back in 45... Flashback. San Francisco was just recovering from VJ Day, and crime was practically at a standstill. Because your number one competitor in the West Coast mobs had just been rubbed out, and you were on trial for same. Nothing about the trial made any sense. The tea time chatter in the better pool rooms was that you were taking the rap for your worst enemy, Joe Morales. What made even less sense, the lawyer defending you was Joe's brother. So I wasn't a bit surprised to receive your check for $25, together with an invitation to be in the third row of the courtroom when the jury returned the verdict. I was. The defendant will please rise. <coughs> Step forward, please. <coughs> Have you anything to say why judgment of this court could not be passed upon you? Yeah. It's a bad beef. <clears throat> the judgment of this court is that you, John Lawless, for the crime of manslaughter having feloniously run down, run over, and killed with a certain automobile the deceased person named in the indictment, and having subsequently departed the scene in violation of the hit-and-run statute, are hereby sentenced to a term of three to ten years in the state prison of the state of California. You didn't even look at the judge while he was dishing it out. Your eyes were on the man sitting directly in front of me. The man you were supposed to be taking the rap for. The man you had deliberately planted me behind, Joe Morales. I wondered what that meant. When the judge brought down his gavel, I found out. You came up the aisle with a deputy on one arm and your lawyer on the other. 
He seemed upset about something. I'm sorry, Johnny. I did the best I could. They've given me the judge I asked you for. You passed on that jury, you cheap shyster. Okay, just wait till you get my bill. Shut up. Now, wait a minute, Sheriff. I want to speak to a friend. Hey, Johnny, hurry up. We got a train to catch. Hey, you, Joe. Yeah, Johnny? I got just this to say to you. I'm going up, but I'm not staying, see? If I'm not paroled out in three, I'll break out. Either way, I'll get you, even if it means a murder. Oh, now, listen, Johnny. You you heard me, Spade? Yeah, Johnny. I wish I hadn't. Well, Johnny, we've got to go. Okay, okay. Don't forget what I said, Joe. So long, Sam. Good luck, Johnny. Hey, Sally. Yeah, Joe? You hear what he said? I know. He's going to knock me. Uh, this guy's a witness. Name is Spade. Spade, uh, my brother Sally. Salvador Morales. You may have heard of me. Yeah, if I'm ever up in a hit and run, remind me not to hire you. <laughs> Come along, Spade, where we can talk quietly. Just over here. My conference room. Look, uh, we got nothing to talk about. Oh, yes, we have. Watch it. I just got this suit pressed. Yeah, right in here. <laughs> Sally, is it all over? How did it come out? Where were you? In here. I couldn't force myself to stay out there. What did he get? Three to ten. Three to ten? Is that... Oh, I mean, how terrible. How terrible. Best I could do. This is Sam Spade, my dear. It's Virginia Vale, Johnny Lawless's fiance. The San Quentin widow. Well, uh, how's trucks, Virginia? Why did they bring you here? Maybe they know. He's a witness. Witness? To a threat Johnny made against my brother's life. My own client. <laughs> What's funny... Ask your brother. That threat would even get you a writ against them to keep the peace. What do you mean, Sam? Uh, sweetheart, threats don't mean anything in law unless they're backed up by some action. Even if he told you the when, the where, and the how, it wouldn't be worth anything until you're dead. But it would be worth something then? Sure, it shows premeditation. Then if he knew he was overheard and you'd be forced to testify if anything happened to Joe... Hey, beautiful, what are you trying to do to me? Oh, I mean, he'd think twice before he tried anything. You'd be safe, Joe. Well, honey, I, uh, I didn't know you cared. About you, I don't. I just wouldn't want Johnny to do anything foolish. End of flashback. That was, uh, three years ago. A lot of big news has broken since then, but the only items that interested you in San Quentin were printed on the inside pages of the local press. Item. Virginia Vale, your fiancé, got herself engaged to Joe Morales, your worst enemy. And item. Salvador, Sally Morales, your mouthpiece, had taken over your mob. Which brings us up to yesterday morning. Yeah? That you, Sam? Who's this? Johnny Lawless, remember me? No. I was hoping you'd say that. Look, Sam, I, I got a job for you. Call Peeper Breen. He may need it bad enough. I've got no contacts in the mobs anymore. This is clean. How clean? A chance to save an innocent man from the gas chamber. Well, There's I... a grand in it for you. Wait till I get a pencil. Now, uh, what was the address? The Alma Arms on Pine Street near Jones. Yeah? Buzz me three times. One long, two short. And make sure there's no one on your tail. Got it. <laughs> not failed. I found your name on the bell panel, buzzed one long and two short, and the automatic lock clicked me in. You were waiting one flight up in the open door of your apartment. You didn't say anything, just made sure it was me, motioned me inside, locked the door, and led me back to a bedroom. Well, there it is, Sam. Mm-hmm. Joe Morales. Dead about three hours, I'd say. Four slugs, chest, shoulder, and head. Looks like amateur work, a professional aims for the belly, or did you mean it to look like an amateur job? Would I be sap enough to drop him in my own apartment? Besides, he's my lawyer's brother, and I might need Sally again. Why did you call me? Well, you heard what I said to Joe after the trial. Who told you that, Virginia? Yeah, but she didn't have to. 
Didn't I ask you to sit there? Well, that's one thing that worries me. Look, uh, let's go in the other room, huh? I feel like a drink. Well, here's my pitch, Sam. I checked out of San Quentin yesterday morning. I didn't have a mark against me. The warden himself put my case before the parole board. He called me the ideal prisoner. Shall we dance? Okay, Sam, okay. But a man can change a lot in three years. So can a woman. <laughs> Virginia met me at the gate and we drove into the city. We didn't have a thing to say to each other. The way I felt by the time the ride was over, Joe could have her and welcome. I had other plans. Such as? Well, the parole board was getting me a job with a mining firm, a, a surveyor. I took a course up at Quinton. You uh, seriously expect me to swallow this line of guff? Listen, you don't get fat making a living on the mace. Take half of these guys you hear telling the world what wonders they are at puffing boxes, knocking over joints, and the rest of the lays. Yeah, not half of them make three meals a day at it. Then what chance has a guy without a regular racket? And brother, that's me. I'll buy that for now. Let's uh, talk about that dead body. All right. Well, I uh, I called Joe on the phone this morning, see, and I told him to meet me here at three this afternoon. I wanted to tell him, forget about what I said about how I was going to get him. Not that I wanted to write off that rap I took for him. But if he was scared, he might come gunning for me. I might have to break parole to defend myself. About Virginia, like I told you... We got nothing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful while it lasted. So he was due here at three, huh? Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was held up. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was with my lawyer at the time. Sally? Yeah, I uh, I phoned the building and uh, told the superintendent to let him, let Joe in, and then I got here about a quarter past four. But I didn't find him till just before six when I called you, Sam. How come? Well, I, I just didn't look in the bedroom. I figured he got uh, tired waiting and left, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Well, look, uh, Johnny, assuming your story is true, and if it isn't, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, who do you think did it? Well, that depends on why. If it was somebody gunning for him, it would depend on what's going in the mob since I've been in Quinton. You know more about that than I do. If it was somebody trying to frame me... What do you mean, trying? Hey, wait a minute. I got a phone homicide. You must have known that when you called me. Yeah, that's why I ripped the wires out. That's cute. That's very cute. Oh, that look. makes you look real good. Look, look, Sam, look. I'm not asking you to do anything extracurricular. Sure, you have to yell, cop. But you'll do it over a pay station downstairs. And by the time anybody can get back up here, that stiff will be out. It will. Well, how's that going to be done? I, uh, I got a friend in the undertaking business. Met him up at Quinton. He just installed a new crematorium. You should have called him first. I did, but I can call him off. You're stir happy. Look, Sam, look. How about it, huh? So the cops come in tonight, tomorrow. Who cares? Not Joe. The weather he'll keep. What do you say, Sam? What do you say? I say you're probably bluffing that you got no way of getting rid of the stiff, but on the outside chance that you might not be bluffing, I'll swing along with you for a couple of hours. If I don't turn up anything by then, the deal is off. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, but this isn't... Hey! Sorry, I gotta... do it. I hated to do it, Johnny. You were out of condition and you weren't expecting it. But I wanted you to look like a hospital case. After you went down and out, I transferred my fee from your wallet to mine, examined your wounds, and decided you were good for two hours at St. Agnes Hospital, where I know the head nurse. Uh, incidentally, that reminds me. Uh, uh, so without further delay, I toted you downstairs, threw you into a taxi, and delivered you to the ambulance entrance. That's when I remember that I had forgotten one thing. I hadn't given you a chance to call off your alleged undertaker friend. I was sure that that part of your story was bluff, but just to make sure, 
I rushed back to your apartment in less time than it takes the average undertaker to back his hearse out of the garage, I thought. When I got there, I wasn't so sure. The apartment had been tidied up, ashtrays emptied, glasses put away. They'd even vacuumed the rug. The blood-stained bedspread had been removed, and with it, the corpus delecti. I found myself humming an old tune. I ain't got nobody. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. To the Lawless Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. In most murder cases, there are too many suspects, too many motives, and too many clues from the very beginning. I'd been on this one three hours, and I succeeded in turning up no suspects, no clues, and the most shameful thing of all, I had lost the body of the victim. I consoled myself with the thought that he was in no condition to tell me anything anyway. But then neither were you, Johnny. You'd uh, checked out of the hospital, no forwarding address. But in a gin mill down in the mission, I found a character with the unlikely name of Porky Grout. Uh, Porky is theoretically alive and will tell all he knows about anybody, which is plenty, but two fingers of rye. I gave him a handful. Uh, easy, easy. Uh... Hey, uh, Joe Morales smiled, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, they dusted this down. They moved to Las Vegas five, six months ago. Uh, how come uh, Joe stayed in San Francisco? Oh, uh, him and his brother had a beef with each other. That's uh, Sally Morales, the lawyer? Yeah, the mouthpiece. Uh, he, not, not too close. <laughs> oh. yeah, what was it all about? Oh, that dame, Virginia Vale. After she and Joe framed Johnny Lawless on that hit-and-run job, well, they disagreed on methods of administration. <coughs> Not so close. No. So she and Sally team up, and Sally uses his business connections to pull off this big combine, you see? Yeah, I heard of it, Las Vegas. Uh, how do I get to Sally? <laughs> oh, my, my throat's dry. I can't hardly talk. Uh, hey, uh, Riley, put out the bottle. Uh, and bring an airwick. Yeah, here we are. Yeah, that's right. Oop, <laughs> slimy. Easy, easy, I'll help you. Uh, great, huh? Great stuff. Uh, not too close. Uh, now, uh, when do you want to get to him? Tonight? Uh, right now. <clears throat> Let me see. The dame don't dance to nothing but rumba music, and she don't drink nothing but imported French champagne. Yeah, yeah. Furthermore, she don't go nowhere where she don't get her picture taken. And he don't dare take a drink in a place that pays him protection. Well, this being after hours, there's only approximately one place they could be at. That's the Iberia out on Van Ness. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, yeah. Thank you and good night, Porky Grout. If your friends won't tell you, I will. <laughs> Please don't bother to answer. trouble picking out their table. Virginia spotted me at about the same time, grabbed up her purse, muttered an excuse to her escort, and edged around the dance floor. 
She caught me in the middle of a bambuco, a combination of a rumba, a samba, and guarasha, and whirled me lightly out onto the floor. I followed as best I could. Listen, you shouldn't have come here. Yeah, how did I know? Our first dance would be a bambuco. Now you dance divinely, oh. but you must leave at once. Uh, Sally is insanely jealous, and he's in a especially bad mood tonight. Yeah, so am I. I know why you came. You want up on me. Johnny Lawless has been in touch with you, hasn't he? You uh, talked to him since yesterday morning? No. He's bound to get in touch with you. Yeah. I don't know what story he's told you, but don't believe a word of it. He only wants to get you out of the way so he can get back at Joe. Joe thinks Joe framed him into San Quentin. Now, you can stop worrying about Joe. Uh-huh. Sam, what are you... Uh, he's dead, if that's news to you. I... I think you'd better talk to Sally after all. Come on. Well, just getting the hang of it. So you've met another old friend. Hello, Sally. Hello. Sit down, Spade. Thanks. Sally. Huh? Sam says Joe is dead. Joe? Murdered? Yeah. Well, it was bound to happen. I warned him to get out of town before Johnny Lawless came back. Johnny says he was with you when it happened. (laughs) Joey's don't go for alibis, Spade. Best defense I could give him would be that I defend him despite the fact he's accused of killing my own brother. But look here. As his attorney, I have the right to know what he retained you for. To find out who did kill Joe. And? That's what he said. Have you found out? Not yet. Any leads? Not many. Now, what's the difficulty? The corpse. Somebody swiped it. You can't mean that. I can, and I do. Well, that doesn't make sense. Unless Johnny arranged it himself. But he couldn't have. No contacts. Of course, he might have disposed of it without help. It's been done, you know. Not tonight. I'm his alibi there. I don't believe it. You're just telling that story to see how we'll react. That's why I'm telling it, but it's not a story. It's the McCoy. Sally, what can it mean? If Johnny didn't do it, then somebody must have done it to frame him. And if they did that, they wouldn't turn around and get rid of the evidence, would they? What? Well, the whole thing is wild. Wild. You know, uh, there might have been two people who thought they were a team, but one of them was really working against the other and for Johnny. Huh? Well, that's absurd. Isn't it, Sally? Is it, my dear? He's trying to play us off against each other. Don't fall for it, Sally. I had nothing to do with any of it. You've got to believe that. Yes, I was sure of you when Johnny was out of the way. You wanted him out of the way, you admit it. You're still in love with him, aren't you? Aren't you? Alice, you're hurting me. Hurting you? I'll help the DA write his brief. You'll go to Tehachapi for body snatching. Oh, ahead. I can't wait to get on the stand. The things I'll tell about you, how you let Johnny go up on that hit and run when you knew it was my idea and I was in the car with Joe. You will. Not a jury in the country would blame me for protecting my own brother. Protecting him? You were framing him even then. So you can have me for yourself. Oh, I'll have you in the gas chamber if you keep insisting. Uh, Your own brother squeeze out of that one if you can. Uh, I can. Love of woman surpasses brotherly love. <laughs> I can see the jury now. Edie, get up. Victim of a designing woman caught in the toilet. You... Nuts, nuts. I don't care whether either of you is guilty or both or neither or whatever. If I get that body back tonight, I'll let the cops worry about it. If I don't, I'll confess to everything myself and name all three of you as accomplices. You... All right. All right, Spade. You say your only concern is that body. Right. Right. Here. Here's $500. Another 500 when you find it, huh? Does that convince you? Well, it helps. Here, my diamonds. Take them all. No, no, keep the diamonds, Virginia. If Sally gets sent up first, you'll need them for your defense. Take it over, kids. I'm calling the cops right now. Uh, Roy, Sam Spade. 
Where's Dundee? Oh, he's asleep. Sam, I've been trying to reach you. Yeah, but do you know why? Why, sure, about Johnny Lawless. I... Is there something we don't know, Sam? Well, uh, I'll uh, come down and give you a statement. It's about Joe Morales. Well, what about him? Well, he got knocked off and uh, somebody lifted the corpse. Oh, Sam, nobody lifted it. Well, uh, then who did? We picked it up, Sam, right after you called us. Right after I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, what time was that? Uh, let's see, I got it here. Uh, 20 minutes past six. Lose your watch? That ain't all. What's that, Sam? Call you back. What's up, Sally? Come on. Come out of there. Well, I wasn't planning to spend the night in a phone booth. Why the heater? It's for you, Sam. You must be nuts pulling a gun in a crowded joint like this. <laughs> hey, stop looking at it. Come on. Up those stairs. Now, look, Sam. In there. Easy. Where's your girlfriend? Well, I... I sent her home, Sam. She can't stand the sight of blood. <laughs> you clown. Oh. <laughs> you were pretty funny, too, when you made that phone call. I didn't believe you'd go through with it. What makes you think I'm interested in that old rap? Johnny's already done the time for it. Joe can't talk, and I don't want to. I don't care what you want. It's what I want. That's what counts. Does it? You want it, Virginia? You got it. Oh, not the point. This doesn't sound good, Salvador Morella's sweetheart going up on a murder rap. Well, you trimmed it down to manslaughter for Johnny Lawless, and she's enough prettier to rate an acquittal, or are we talking about the same killing? <laughs> you think Virginia killed Joe Morales, don't you? Why? Because she seems so anxious to pin it on Johnny Lawless. Well? Well, nothing. Only I've got a score to settle with Johnny Lawless myself, you see. Uh, he uh, left me out in a limb with that body snatch. If I can pin the killing on him, i got a story for the cops. Now, show how smart you are. Shoot me. I fully intend to. Now, look. Hold it, Sally. Hello, Johnny. I, you can do it yourself, Johnny. I was going to do it for you, but you can I do it yourself. I don't get it. He's trying to pin that murder on you, Johnny. Like you pin that old hit and run on me? But it's not the same, Johnny. Joe's killing is worth life if you're lucky. I never had much luck. Let him have it, Johnny. What have you got to lose? Well, you want me to... No, no, no. Uh, step back, Sally. Okay. He dead? Yeah. You planned it different, didn't you, Johnny? Yeah. Yeah, but I might as well get two for the price of one. Yeah, I planned it different, but I don't seem to care anymore. Well, then you won't need that. Huh? Sorry, Johnny. By the way, I'd like to thank you for keeping me in the clear. How come? That phone call you made the homicide using my name. Without that, I might be going up with you. How'd you figure it? Nobody but you had anything to gain by making that body seem to disappear. You knew I wouldn't check with the police till I'd made a try at locating it on my own. You knew I'd use the disappearance as a handle to shake what I could out of Sally and Virginia. You knew they'd suspect each other because I had you alibied at the time of the body snatch, and that would start them screaming accusations at each other. Did they say enough to send them up? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much will stick, but enough. They both admit Joe did that hit-and-run job I was sent up for? He and Virginia together. So she was with him. Three years ago, I wouldn't have wanted to know that. Now it sounds good. <laughs> I didn't think it really sounded good to you. I was sorry to hear it myself, and after all, I'd only danced the bambuco with the mouse. I'm sorry things turned out the way they did, and it's a little late to be making with the advice, but, uh, well, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men gang after glade. What? And as you say, what chances a man got without a regular racket?
Period. End of report. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Oh. How can you be so sympathetic with a girl who did all those terrible things? Oh, I know, F. I know. It's a silly dance, but she looked cute while she was doing it. I don't mean the dance. You mean the best laid plans? What does that mean, Sam? That gang after glam? I'll give you a hint, sweetheart. It's something you never need worry about. No. Here's why, men. Here's why Wild Root Cream Oil is again and again the choice of men who put good grooming first. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally without giving it that plastered-down look. Wild Root Cream Oil relieves annoying dryness and removes that loose, ugly dandruff. So if you're not using it now, or if you're not using any hair tonic, get Wild Root Cream Oil at your drug or toilet goods counter in the new 25-cent Get Acquainted Size bottle. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. My, terribly confusing. I sensed that somehow. Who was that hit-and-run victim? Well, they named that dance after him, uh, George L. Bambuco. I don't believe it. <laughs> Sam, what does it mean? What does it mean? You know... A uh, gang after Glay? Snafu. Oh, why didn't you say so? <laughs> Daleks yet. <laughs> Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorreen Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dow. Musical direction is by Lud Gluskin with score composed by Renee Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with southern lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. Alrighty, stay tuned for the Cisco Kid next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for the Cisco Kid. Here's adventure. Here's romance. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Cisco, the sheriff is getting closer. This way, Pancho, Pamelo, the Cisco Kid.
exciting story of the Cisco Kid, Pancho and the Parrot. When the railroad came to the old southwest, land swindles increased. Struck by the fever for gold or for new land and new opportunities, men would buy anything, sometimes sight unseen, and the results were often tragic, now and then hilarious. Our story opens in the tiny railroad station and post office in the town of Dixon Flats. Cisco and the faithful Pancho are just entered. What is this, Senor Matthews? Uh, morning, Cisco. Howdy, Pancho. What is this, Senor? Well, you two been camping around Dixon Flats for quite some time now. See, si, we have, Senor. We like this little town. It's very nice. I'm told you have a letter for me, Senor Matthews. Your son came to our camp last evening. Yep, I have, Cisco. I'd have given it to the boy to take out to you, but I didn't know if you were there. Here she is. Ah, gracias, senor. Oh, I beg your pardon. Watch where you're going, stranger. Next time I will. What time does the train get in, Matthews? If she's on time, she'll be here in five minutes. Meeting somebody, Mr. Patterson? That's none of your blame business, whether I am or not. Well, who is that hombre, senor Matthews? Pancho, I'd like him neither. Pancho, I think he looked like a coyote. Yeah, I figure he is a coyote, too, Pancho. His name's Patterson. Ed Patterson. He lives over in Adobe City. Comes over here once in a while, look over his property. Owns a sight of land around here. He owns it outright, senor? I believe he does, Cisco. Say he's got lots of influence back in Washington. Well, his manners could be better. Come, Pancho, we'll sit down and read this letter. Cisco, read it to Pancho, huh? You know Pancho, not can read. Yes, yes. Oh, it's from our old friend, Senor Sampson. Oh, Senor Sampson. <laughs> he go back east a long time ago, huh? He left a large amount of money and went back to get it and never returned. What did he say? What did he say? Well, just a moment, buddy. Now, wait, wait, wait. At least I read it. Uh-huh. Hey, some good friends of his name, Morris, his father and daughter, are coming here to Dixon Flats very soon. Uh, what does this voice say to there? That those do. Get that's your big finger off the letter so I can see. That way I can see that what he say. They say your Morris has bought land here. Does he think Senor Morris may have been swindled? He not think we swindled Senor Morris, Cisco. No, 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 Pancho. He knows we do not swindle people. No, we don't swindle people. He merely asks that we do all we can to help Senor Morris. And... Oh. What, 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 what? He suspects that the hombre Patterson is the man who may have swindled him. Pancho, I am sure we are going to have trouble with that hombre. <laughs> Almost there, Dad. Hmm? Huh? Almost where? Why, to Dixon Flats, where we're going. I wish you wouldn't interrupt me, Stella. I'm right in the midst of tracing our descent from Richard the Great. I'm sorry, Dad, but you'd better put that book away and start getting our things together. On your mark, get set. My body lies over the ocean. Heaven's sake, cover up that parrot. That squawking's getting on my nerves. But it's so hard if I cover him. Really, Dad, you're awfully impatient. I don't mean be, daughter, but I'm anxious to get there and get settled and return to my genealogical studies. It doesn't help to growl and grumble. I just hope we find everything the way Mr. Patterson represented it. It should be fun living in a town of 3,000 after living in Chicago so long. Your health should be better out here, too, Dad. Uh, what did I do with the deed to that property? It's in your suitcase. I'm dying to see the house. Five rooms, think of it. It doesn't say anything about a house in the deed. No, but Mr. Patterson said there was one. Ought to be a good one for $3,000, all the money I had. But we've also got 500 acres of land, 
dollars an acre? I call that pretty good. Dixon Flats! Dixon Flats! Here we are, Dad. Dixon Flats! Dixon Flats! Help! Fire Robert, please! Stella, cover up that confounded parrot, great Scott. All right. I hope that yelling of his isn't an omen. for you, like you said to do. Better have a look at that. Come on, then. I was waiting to see if Morrison came in on this train. Thought maybe he'd get the scourge after he saw what he bought, and I could buy that land back again for 50 cents and a dollar. And then sell it again, huh? Yeah, to some other sucker for six dollars an acre. Yeah, but that can wait. Come on, show me where that gold is. Keep an eye out for the senor and the senorita, Pancho. Pancho, she's somebody. Look, she's good. No, no, no. That is on the locomotive, amigo. They're not right there, she's good. No, no. Just the engineer and the fireman right on the locomotive. 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 Pancho think that motive loco, all right? Big black dirty thing. There, there. Wait, wait, wait. Come on, Senor Morris and his daughter. They're standing there looking around. Oh, see, see. What is senorita got in her hand, she's good? Oh, might be a parrot cage, Pancho. Parrot cage? Pancho never hear of it, parrot. What a parrot. There's a bird, amigo. I'll tell you more about it later. Come, let us make ourselves known to them. I beg your pardon, you are Senor Morris. That's who I am, mister. You are a friend of Senor Sampson? Walter Sampson? See? Why, yes, we know Walter Sampson well. I have here a letter from Senor Sampson asking us to be of help to you in any way possible. Oh, how nice. I am known as the Cisco Kid, and this is my compañero, Pancho. Well, how do you do? This is my daughter, Stella. I hope you will like it here. I think we will, only... Where's the town? You are looking at the town. Four houses, one barn, two chicken houses, one store, one depot, too many peoples. I mean, that's all there is of it. Si, senorita. You were expecting it to be bigger? We were told it was a town of 3,000 people. It begins to look as if we were taken in, Stella. Dear, this isn't even a crossroad. Well, we will see what we can do. You have a map of your property, senor? Yes, right here in my pocket. The deeds in my suitcase. Can we go and look at the property right now, Cisco? I want to know the worst as soon as possible. Very well, senorita. Although it may turn out to be better than you think. Uh, Pancho, take the birdcage from the senorita. Thank you, Pancho. Also, take that suitcase. I will take the others. Let's leave the package in the depot. This could say a bird in here, senorita. It's my parrot, Pancho. Huh? His name is Oswald. My father bought him from a sailor. He's got quite a vocabulary, too. Quite a vocabulary? He got a vocabulary? But he just won't use it when anybody's looking at him. Uh, uh, vocabulary. <laughs> that must mean his beak, huh? Put the things down here, Pancho. It'll be all right. Will they not say your matters? Yes, so, Cisco. But I'm going home to dinner in a minute. Well, will it be all right if Pancho stays here while you are gone? Yeah, sure thing. Then you stay here, Pancho, and keep an eye on the package. Senorita, you can ride with me on Diablo, and you, Senor Morris, can ride on Loco. Pancho does not mind. Pancho not mind. Pancho, stay here and take it in the siesta. You are ready, Senorita? Yes, just as soon as I uncover the parrot. There, Oswald. Now it'll be cooler for you. And Pancho's here to keep you company. (laughs) 
that is her sleeping. Let you keep the eyes open. Somebody say something? I'm fine to think he is somebody. No, I must be wrong. Nobody here. Yeah, I'm wrong. Get by to repel borders. Help, 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 help. What do you say? Fine to help. Fine to help. Santo, fine to hear somebody call for help. Did you hear that, Aswell? Fine to not be dreaming. Fine to might be dreaming. Patrick tried to go to sleep again. Ah! Hold on, boys. Heavy thing, heavy thing. Pancho hears somebody then. She sees somebody right in this room. But nobody here. Pancho look under these benches. Burn your sail, mate. She's pretty in the middle. Ah! Ah! Where'd that come from? Atwell, tell Pancho where'd you hear that voice, huh? Where'd it come from? Pancho not know how anybody speak, but nobody here. Find the counter. Can't you sneak up on him? What? 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 Fine time for me to be finding it out. You didn't get that land back, Ed. I aim to get it back, Colonel. This has got them people out there looking at it now. How much chance they'll come across that gold, though? I ain't worrying about that. The old man will probably take 50 cents on my dollar. I ain't taking any chances, Gus. I'm going after the deed to that property. Oh. Chances are they left their baggage in the depot. Didn't have any other place to leave it. Yeah. Matthews goes home to dinner about this time. We'll take a look in through the window on this side of the depot first. Oh, boy. Oh, oh. Oh. <coughs> now we'll see. Nobody in there, Gus. There's the baggage. Come on. This is going to be easy, Ed. It sure is. <coughs> what in thunder is that? Oh, it's that parrot. Never mind him. Let's get them suitcases open. I'll open this one, Ed. Hey, this looks like the deed right here on top, huh? Yep, that's what it is, Gus. <laughs> Old Ed Patterson's got his deed back. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Aren't you had enough? Aren't you had enough? What are you talking about, Ed? I don't know. It don't make any difference. I've got what I was after, and that's all that counts. Let's close up these suitcases. Come on, get out of here. Then when old man Morris comes back, I'll ask him for his deed and see what he's got to say. So, the land is not so bad as you thought it would be, senorita. No, I rather like it, Pisco. How about you, Dad? Oh, one place is as good as another to me. No question, though, but what we got swindled. That is unfortunately true, senor. You say it was Senor Patterson who searched the land? That's his name, Cisco. Did he misrepresent the property through the mails? No, he called to see us on a trip back east. Oh, how did he know of you? He advertised some land in the eastern papers, and I answered the ad. Then you have no way of proving it to be a swindle. I'm afraid not, Cisco. We'll just have to make the best of it. If only there was a house on it, some place to live. Oh, I'm sure we can find a place for you to live until such time as you build. Perhaps with Senora and Senor Matthews. They are fine people. 
I would like to have a look at your deed there, sir. We look at it right now, Cisco. Here's the depot. Oh, dear. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Here, I'll have to tell Senorita. Thank you, Cisco. There you are. Something in your deed might prove this to be a swindle. Come on. Poncho was talking to Oswald. Say, hey, possibly. Also, Poncho may have got hungry and got to get something to eat. Stella. Stella, this deed's gone. What? It's gone. Look, it was right there. Yes, it was. I packed that suitcase myself. Dad, that Poncho. Oh, now, senorita, Poncho would not open the suitcase. I'm not so sure. We don't know him. We don't know you either. Dad, these men are in league with Patterson. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Unless Cisco can find that deed, it's going to be very hard to prove that he and Poncho are innocent of stealing it. Also, that Patterson did steal it. scared out of his wits by Stella Morris's talking parrot, left the railroad station in a hurry, Ed Patterson came in and stole the deed to land which he had sold to Stella's father. When the Morrises returned and found the deed missing, they blamed Poncho and suspected Cisco. Now... It's perfectly clear, Dad. Cisco suggested that Poncho stay here and guard our luggage so Poncho could steal the deed. But, senorita... Don't talk to me. I don't even want to speak to you. Senor Morris, Poncho did not steal that deed. Poncho would not steal anything. He does not know the meaning of the word. Then where is the deed? I do not know. I only know that Poncho would not steal it. He would not even open your suitcase. Cisco, Cisco, uh, Poncho sees you come, and Poncho run all the way here. Uh, there's a ghost in here. A ghost? A ghost. She, 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 a ghost. What are you talking about, Poncho? There is no such thing as a ghost. Um, Poncho hear him, Cisco. Poncho not see him, but he hear him. Oh, uh, Poncho had enough. Did you hear that, Cisco? That's a ghost. That is not a ghost, Pancho. That is the parrot talking. The, 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 the parrot talking? That bird talking? Hey. Uh, Santo, Pancho think that worse than a ghost, a talking bird. Adios, Cisco. Come back here. There's nothing unusual about a talking parrot. What about my deed, you? Me? Yes, you. You stole the deed to my land out of this suitcase. Pancho think they're mistakes, senor. Pancho not steal anything. And Pancho not here after that. That bird start to talk. Don't believe him, Dad. We'll take this matter to the police. What police? Hey, let us go to the sheriff and talk it over with him. Oh, wait, wait. Let's say it, Patterson. Howdy, Mr. Morris. Howdy, miss. Hello. I, uh, meant to meet you at the train, but I got delayed. You swindled us on that land, Patterson. You told us it was right on the edge of a town. You said there was a good house and buildings on it. Well, I was just going to explain that, Mr. Morris. I got it mixed up with another deal. Your place is over near Adobe City. You mean that there's a house on it? It's the way you described it to Why, us? Why, sure thing, miss. As soon as your father hands me back the deed I gave him, you get the matter all straightened out. Well, I... Uh, you see, uh, my deed's just been stolen, Patterson. Stolen? Yes. And my daughter and I were just questioning these men here... Oh, you should do well the question of Mr. Morris. These fellas been in most every jail in the whole Southwest. Be careful what you say, senor. That's true, and you know it is. 
Is it true, Cisco? It is true that Pancho and I have been in jail. Oh. I should have known it. Yes, senorita. But every time we escape... No, 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 Pancho. Huh? Senor, senorita, Pancho means we were wrongly arrested. See, si, see, si, we escape all the time. <laughs> Here's your answer, Mr. Morris. But until you hand me that deed, none of my land belongs to you. You mean without the deed, we can't prove we bought that land? What? That's right. Oh. Hold it, Travis. Got his deed back. <laughs> what the... Did you hear that, Senor Morris? Senorita? Something about Ed Patterson. I didn't get the rest of it. Neither did I. You heard it, Senor Patterson. I, uh, uh, no, no, I didn't hear a thing. Uh, when you find that deed, Morris, I'll be over in Adobe City. You can reach me there. Senorita, can you get that parrot to repeat anything? No, not till he gets ready to. He may say something once and never say it again, but I don't see what he's got to do with this. He has a great deal to do with him. He is the only one who can solve this matter, if he will. property back, you've already made $3,000, huh? Yeah, yeah, but when I was talking with the Morrises over at the depot in Dixon Flats, that parrot fired my own words right back in my face. What words, Ed? What are you talking about? You remember, Gus, just after I took the deed out of the old man's suitcase, what I said? Good knows I do. I said old Ed Patterson's got his deed back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be a local maverick if that bird didn't squawk out them same words right in front of me and the Morrises and Cisco and that other sidewinder. The parrot said that? Sure as you're born, Gus. I heard him all right. I let on I didn't. Worst of all, Cisco heard him. Then the only thing to do is kill the parrot. That's what I gotta do. Morse is a staying at Matthew's place. As soon as I get these papers filled out, we'll ride over and buy that parrot. I don't know why I agreed to ride over here with you, Cisco. Parrot probably won't talk. They never do when you want him to. But, Sheriff, even if the parrot does not talk, the fact that Senor Patterson comes to buy that bird will mean something, will it not? How would it? Might mean that he has a very guilty conscience. <laughs> Got to be more than just a guilty conscience to hold water in court, Cisco. You know that. Nevertheless, I think you will not be sorry you came. Ah, uh, here. Oh, And there's the senorita. Buenos dias, senorita. Buenos dias, senorita. Oh, it's you two. And who's the gentleman with you? This is Sheriff Dobbs, senorita Morris. How do you do, Miss Morris? I'm very sorry, Sheriff, that I haven't proof enough to ask you to arrest these men. Well, now, ma'am, I don't know. I, I've known these two hombres a long, long time, and I've never yet known them to steal anything. You know our story, then? I know what Cisco's told me. That's one side of it. If Dad was here, he might help me tell our side of it. But he rode out with the Matthews to look again at that property we thought was ours. We are here to try to help you believe we did not take that deed, senorita. You are going to have visitors very shortly, and... Oh, there is dust in the distance. Easy, Cisco. Maybe these the two hombres. Senorita, when these men get here, take them into the room where the parrot is. I don't see why I should... You've got a nerve... Senorita, please. There is no time to waste words. The sheriff and Pancho and I will be in the next room listening. Yeah, I'd string along with Cisco if I was you, ma'am. He... Most always knows what he's doing. Well, if you say so, Sheriff, all right, but I don't understand this at all. Gracias, senorita. Keep them in the room talking as long as you can. Come, Sheriff. Come, Pancho. We'll go in the house. Afternoon, miss. This is Gus Linson. Howdy, ma'am. Hello. 
What can I do for you? Well, I, uh, I'd kind of like to talk to you about that pair of yours, miss. Very well. Come in. Thank you. Sit down, won't you? Thanks. Now, what about my parrot? Well, I, I kind of took a fancy to that bird, miss. I, I'd like to own him. He's not for sale, Mr. Patterson. <laughs> I uh, didn't figure he would be. Unless I could make the price attractive. He's a fine-looking bird, ma'am. Good talker, too. How do you know? Well, I, uh, I mean, I guess... Shut up, Gus. I'll give you $50 gold for that bird. No. 75 My gracious, Mr. Patterson. He isn't worth $75. Well, I, I know that, but the value of a thing lies in how much a man's willing to give for it. 75 He's not for sale. I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh... I'll give you $200 cash. Really, Mr. Patterson, that's not sensible. Why do you want him that much? Well, I told you why. Here, here's your money right here. No. Well, now look here. Okay. Old Ed Patterson got his deed back. That settles it. I'll ring that blasted bird's neck. Oh, you will not try to stop me. I will. This may stop you. Your pardon, senorita, these must be. I'll get the parrot and knock it in. No, I'm ready. Parrot, that parrot now. <laughs> all right, all right, just go right up. See, see, sir. Ed, Ed, what that parrot mean for saying that? How do I know? The only way you can learn, Sheriff, is by hearing people say the words. Patterson must have taken that deed. I think when your father comes back, Senorita, you will know why Senor Patterson wanted that deed back. Uh, it kind of looks bad for you, Ed. You come on with me. I'm going to get to the bottom of this matter plumb quick. <laughs> You won't blame me too much, will you, Cisco? Blame you, senorita? Of course not. It was a natural mistake. The evidence was against Pancho and me. I'm terribly sorry just to say Oh, do not be sorry. There is nothing to be sorry for. Let us be glad instead. Glad that the hombre Patterson confessed and returned the deed to your father. I'm so happy about that. Ah, you are now rich, senorita, with all that gold your father found on your land. You and Pancho should have a share of that, Cisco. Gracias, but Pancho and I have no need for gold. I never met anybody like you, Cisco. Oh, everyone is different, even Oswald. Yes, Oswald, bless his heart. I wouldn't sell him for a million dollars. I mean that. I believe you, senorita. There are many things that gold cannot buy. Yes, Cisco. The sunrise in the morning, the sunset at night. Yes. The smile on a senorita's lips and in her eyes. Yes, Cisco. And perhaps... Perhaps what? The touch of a senorita's lips. Well? Like this. Pancho. What say you, Maris do? Oh, he's a genealogist, amigo. 
He a Jenny what? A genealogist. Hmm? That means he can trace down your family tree. Aren't you like that? A family tree? She is called Pancho. Family all born on the ground. Family tree is only a way of speaking, Pancho. Uh, to say it another way, Senor Morris can tell who you, your father, and your grandfather sprang from. Senor Morris tell who my grandfather Manuel sprang from? Si, amigo. Oh, but Cisco. Si. My grandfather Manuel. Oh. Very fierce man. I cannot help how fierce he was, Pancho. Senor Morris can still tell you who he sprang from. Then Senor Morris not tell the truth, Cisco. Oh, why does he not tell the truth? Because my grandfather Manuel so fierce, si. he never sprang from anyone. He always sprang at them. Oh, Pancho. Oh, Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> And so ends another exciting adventure with O. Henry's famous Robin Hood of the West, the Cisco Kid. to listen again for another thrilling adventure of the Cisco Kid. Cisco Kid was played by Jack Mather, Poncho by Harry Lang. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Our Miss Brooks, followed by Nick Carter, Master Detective. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical assistance. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.